He grew up hustling grocery bags for small change. Now he hustles basketball for big bucks. But he's still the same appreciative guy, basically. Growing up in Sao Paulo, Brazil, he was one of five kids in a family that lived together in a one-room home for a while. His parents later got jobs at a medical center, but he helped support the family by playing basketball. He got paid for it from the age of 10, and by the time he was 20, he was ready for the NBA draft. He had immediate success with Phoenix and was voted sixth man of the year in the 2006-07 season when he averaged 18.1 points off the bench. He had made his first trip to the United States to play in the World Championships in Indianapolis in 2002, and now he's come full circle. He's back in town as a member of the Indiana Pacers and will be a crucial part of their playoff push. I am Mark Monteith, and I'm going one-on-one with Leandro Barbosa. This is One-on-One with Mark Monteith on 1070 The Fan. Brought to you by Georgetown Market, Indy's family-owned natural food store since 1973. Movie Time Video Productions. They make your memories last forever. Okay, today's one-on-one comes to you from an office in Bankers Live Fieldhouse, and we are here with Leandro Barbosa, the newest pacer and certainly a crucial player for their playoff push. And Leandro, you got a great story to tell. We'll get right to it. I know you're born in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. What did your father do there? Tell me about your family situation growing up. My father uh, used to work on a clinic, you know, uh, exam um, P. I don't know how to say, but he used to work on the clinic. And my mother um, used to follow him on the, on the same situation and work on, on the clinic and help him to do stuff with the blood situation and pee, all those kind of things. So it was interesting. Yeah, like a medical clinic. Medical clinic, kind of, but, yes. but he wasn't a doctor? No, he wasn't a doctor. When you say pee, you mean? Pee. Urine. Yes, urine. <laughs> okay. I, don't, I didn't know how to say that. Yeah, name. Like, a, like urine samples or whatever, right. getting samples from yes. people, that kind of thing. Not yeah. exactly glamorous work, but I right. see. But the family, you must have lived pretty well, right? I mean, you... Uh, uh, it wasn't pretty well. It was very, very hard, especially me growing up, you know... Um, it, it, it's a, a lot. We had a lot going on, especially when I was a kid. You know, sometimes we didn't have food to eat. Uh, we didn't have a place to uh, stay and sleep. So it was it was kind of sad, but uh, it's different now. Even with both parents working, you lived poor uh, lifestyle. Uh, in that time, when I when I grow up, um, we were poor, and they didn't used to work. They didn't have a job. Um, I have two brothers and two sisters, and me. So we were in five, and we used to live like a room like that, you know, not very big. But Sao Paulo is cold. Uh, I guess times that is really cold. So uh, it was tough for we to have like a pillow or or blanket for we to cover ourselves uh, and protect protect ourselves of the cold, you know. Um, so it was it was difficult time, you know. When yeah. I was growing up, seven people in one room. Yes, basically. Wow, yeah. was it difficult? Were you scrambling for food? It was difficult. Sometimes, uh, I mean, I didn't have that tr- that problem, but my brother and sister they always had because they used to share food and save me food so I could have because I was really young. So, of out of the f- whole family, I was the one that more needed food. So. Um, um, I see many times my brother and sister be hungry, you know, and didn't have nothing to eat. And and I can never forget about that, especially the way that we grow up. But uh, it was very, very tough and sad. Yeah. You were in more need of food because you were the youngest? Yes. Or? Okay. 
So they're taking care of the baby brother. Yes. I mean, is it a case where they're out in the streets begging for it or? No, we never did that. We yeah. always try to, um, try to get jobs, you know. I work sometimes too when I was like four years old with my brother and sister on uh, um, selling fruit. Since I was very, very young, so what I could do, it was just help like the old people carrying their bags to their cars. So they always would give me a tip and then I give it to my mom and it would have something for we buy and have something to eat at night. So that kind of stuff. Looking back on that, how did that kind of childhood impact your basketball career? Obviously, you know, (laughs) you're not spoiled. Uh, you have a work ethic, you know, yeah. things like that. As you look back on it now, how do you, what kind of impact did it have? Uh, it had a lot. You know, I didn't know that basketball was going to be my life, you know. Um, I respected basketball as my life, you know. And um, I used to love play soccer. And growing up as a kid, especially in Brazil, it's a number one sport, soccer, you know. I see many people try to uh, play soccer and, and not many opportunities. So my brother used to, you know, play around with uh, his friends and he finally got a team and I used to be around him all the time and and he started teaching me how to play basketball and I kind of like it and since there he took me to a club and the club acquired me and I, since there I built up like a dream to follow through you know and uh, it works well. So soccer was your first sport, though. And you were, well, I read someplace you were playing in the streets barefoot, right? Just yeah. With other kids in, yeah. the, in the area. Most of, most of the time in Brazil is like that, you know. Yeah. Um, when I was playing soccer, I used to play f- soccer without shoes, you know. Most of the time, the guys on the team, they make fun of my foot, my my nails and everything. It's, it is ugly. I'm, I'm not going to lie, but it's just because I didn't have a shoes to, you know, play and kick the ball and uh I used to scratch my my foot on the ground, and, and, and it, it's a street. It hurts. So, so your feet are beat up. Huh? Yeah, it's a beat up. Well, do they affect you now? I mean, are they no, a problem at all? At all? Now, just now I have a very comfortable shoes <laughs> and, 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 and a good brand, so it takes care of me. Did you ever play basketball <clears throat> barefoot? Yes. Yes, a couple times. And if it wasn't without shoes, it was with uh, the All-Star. That was my best shoes that I ever had. The All Star, like All-Star. that canvas, yes, Converse, low canvas. top All Star. Yeah. yeah, okay. It was the best shoes that I ever had when I was a kid growing up. A lot uh, of kids here wore those growing up. I uh, still have those shoes. It's very rip it off and bend up, but I, it was my first shoes that my dad gave to me. Okay, so when you were playing basketball, were you playing outdoors in a park? Were you playing in a gymnasium someplace, or where were you playing? Outdoor. Outdoors. Outdoor. The name of the place, it was uh, Parque Birapuera, which is a p- really big park, you know, and it was a little bit far away from where I used to live, but it was the only place that I could play basketball. So mm-hmm. um, I used to go there sometimes with my brothers and uh it, it was a good place for me to, you know, learn and uh, um, get beat up sometimes. It was good for me. You were probably the youngest playing, right, because yeah. your older brother. That's yeah. So many people I've talked to for the show who did great things athletically, they had an older brother, yes. you know, who dragged them along and they got beat up and, you know, right. but they had to learn how to fight. Yeah. So. How far away was that part from your house? I Roughly, would say you know, like, 20, 30 minutes. Okay, and you'd walk there? No, uh, we used to take a bus. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're playing pickup basketball games. Did you, as a young kid, did you like soccer or basketball the best? Soccer. 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 Sure. I still love soccer. Yeah. I'm going to ask you more about that later. Mm -hmm. Why then did you wind up in basketball? Because it's it's too hard to play soccer in Brazil. It's 
too many people wanted the same thing and not many opportunities. Okay. So uh, as my brother growing up, you know, he decided to play basketball. He tried to do a lot of things, track and field, soccer, basketball. But I think basketball, it was more for him than the other sports. So he followed through with the basketball and I followed with him. Did it come fairly naturally to you or were you really bad at first in basketball? I was bad. <laughs> I was very bad, you know, and uh, my brother was bad too. Yeah. But you want to so bad to become a good basketball player that he fight through over all the things that he has to fight through, you know. So all the hard times that he had, he teach me how to, you know, go through and he teach me how to play the skills and all the, the things that he learned from uh, the other people that was around him that time. He taught me how to do the same thing. Did your brother wind up playing on organized teams in Brazil? Did he, he had opportunity to play on a professional, uh-huh. but he never ended up like playing like five on five on the games. Okay. He was part of the team, but he never had opportunity. Okay, does he live there now still? No, he, he actually he was here last night for the game, but he had to go to Toronto to do a couple things for me, but okay. he's coming back. Where does he live year-round? Like Most that. of the time he's in Brazil, okay. but um, he's back and forth. But he basically helps you now. Yeah, he a... takes care of all my stuff. Okay, now but you have family back in Brazil, I yes. assume. Who all's back there? My wife is back there. My, my, my daughter are back there. My sisters, all my family are there. When you're growing up there, do you know anything about the NBA? Are you able to see games on television? Or? I wasn't able, but when I start, you know, I I made a friends, you know, and and those friends they they have a, like TV with satellite, and a couple times, you know, usually when the games go on in Brazil, it's like always Friday night. So Friday night, um, my mama would let me stay with a friend, and I would sleep over, and that was my opportunity to watch a basketball NBA game. What memories do you have of those games on television? What players or teams do you remember Michael liking? Jordan. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan? It's all about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, even Larry Bird. Yeah, did you watch Bird play? Are yes. You, I guess, I don't know if you'd be old enough or not, but you would have seen I, highlights. I saw, yeah, highlights and tapes. Okay, so when you came here to the Pacers, did it mean something a little special to meet him and all that? Oh, or? yeah, it was kind of shock for me when I saw him face-to-face, you know. It's a dream coming true, you know, um, when I was growing up, I had a dream. The dream came came through, and, and all of a sudden you see all those good players, you know, All-Star Hall of Fame, and it's just a shock for me. Yeah, I was going to ask, at what point did playing in the NBA become a dream for you or something you thought you could do? Uh, right at the beginning of my career, back out there, six years old, seven years old, I, I told my mom, I'm going to bring the dollars for you. That's what I said to her, and and since then, um, it become a dream for me, and and I start working really hard since that. So at six years old, six years and old. your motivation was to support your family, give a better life for them. So when you did finally make it to the NBA, jumping ahead, when you wind up with the Suns, it must have been a thrill for you to be able to start sending money back and right. that kind of thing. Right. It took. I was. I mean, the first time I got my paycheck, I bought a house for my my mama. And that was like the main thing for me. That was the focus number one for me to do it, you know. And after I did that, it was like a big halfway out of my back. And I knew I could do it there. I just didn't know how. When I came to the NBA, it was a great feeling, great feeling. 
how much did it cost to buy a house back in Brazil for your mother at that time? Uh, it was two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand yeah, dollars. Boy, you just nice bought house. it right away. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a nice yeah. house, wouldn't it? Barbosa comes to Indianapolis at the age of eighteen to play in the World Championships. When one on one continues. Welcome back to One on One. I'm Mark Monteith, and I'm talking today with Pacers guard Leandro Barbosa. He first came to the United States to play in the World Championships in 2002 and was drafted into the NBA a year later. He was so impressed with the locker room he found in Phoenix and so accustomed to his humble background that he decided to sleep on the locker room floor that night. Then in, in the 2003 draft, that's when you come into the league, and this was one of the best drafts in league history. LeBron James, Dwayne right. Wade, Carmelo Anthony are in that draft. David West was in that draft. Yes. He went Dante 18. Jones. Uh, yes, and Dante, Dante Jones, Jones was in that draft. You go 28th. Yes. Uh, you were the second to the last player taken in the first round. You were actually drafted by San Antonio, right. but traded to Phoenix for a future first-round uh, pick. Where were you on draft night? I was in New York. You were in New York. Okay. I was in New York. I got drafted, and the next day we flew to Phoenix, mm-hmm. and um, it was a great feeling for me. You know, um, I remember that I didn't left the gym when I went over there to see how it was I slept in in the carpet, you know, and it was totally a different experience for me. See that those lo- those locker room, the locker room, you know, with the, all the Gatorade and the big TV. My name it was there, so I wanted to enjoy that. So I decided to stay on the locker room. So I slept on the carpet. That night, that you night. spent the night in the yeah. locker room, slept on he the carpet. Wanted, they wanted to take him over to hotel. I said, "No, I'm going to stay right here. Wow, this is my time." Is that had you slept on the floor at home mostly back in Brazil? Back in Brazil, I was. Yeah, on the so that was yes. what you were accustomed to. Yes. Well, but why you just but wanted? But the carpet was much more comfortable than when I was home back <laughs> young, you know. So it was it was good time for yeah. me. Yeah, it took me two years to realize that I was really on the NBA. In two years uh, since I in, um, enjoyed the team with the Suns, it was a dream for me. I was like, you know, didn't know where I was. I was just enjoying uh, looking at the players. It was like different feeling for me. You, know? you felt like you were living a dream. My third year it was when I started playing okay, and started working really hard and thinking about what I could be. Yeah, but you had success right away. I mean, as a rookie – uh, what did I read? Uh, you set some kind of record. You scored 27 points in the first game you started as a rookie. Yeah, it right? was when uh, Stefan Marbury. Stefan Marbury was a good guy for me when I came to the Suns. He really helped me. It was the first the first uh, starting game that I had. He got traded to the Knicks, and uh, I became a starting point guard. So you had to feel somewhat comfortable to do that. I mean, you talk about living like it's in a dream, but... Yeah, you know. uh, it was a good night for me. <laughs> it was a good night. The draft, you had been to the United States before the draft, obviously, then, had when you the not? the Warden Championship here in Indianapolis when I was 18 years old. That was my first time here in oh, America. okay. 
That was in, I think, 2002, the year before the draft? Yes. And did the World yes. Games here? Yes, you're Okay, right. yeah, and the U.S. team at that time consisted of Reggie Miller and Jermaine yeah. O'Neal and uh, Antonio Davis and yes. various I people. I guess Argentina won that. Yeah, how did Brazil do in that tournament? We didn't do very good. We lost to Serbia, which okay. Serbia did the final mm-hmm. with Argentina. Yep. Uh, we I think we stayed on the eight spot. But that was your first time to the U.S.? First time. And you were in Indianapolis there. for probably a week or so? Yes. Or? What were your impressions then? Of the it was great for me. I always wanted to come, you know, to America, especially to buy shoes because the shoes in Brazil is so expensive. And uh, coming here, it was so cheap. I remember that I bought many shoes to bring it back to Brazil. It was a great thing. To give to friends and so forth? No, or just for no, yourself? just for myself to play. <laughs> I didn't have that much money to spend all month. Um, did you have a chance to meet any of the NBA players then? No. No. I okay. I remember one time that I came to practice and I saw Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal. He was practicing here at the arena and uh, I stayed a couple, ten, twenty minutes watching him doing the stuff that he was doing, mm-hmm. and, and that means uh, that means a lot for me. Did you speak English then? No, not, not at all. Nothing. Did you play against the U.S. team in that tournament? No. The Brazil? Okay, I didn't think so. So the NBA. You talk about being in a dream for a couple of years, but it sounds like it wasn't too great of an adjustment for you because you had success right away. I mean, did, were you at all surprised by how well you played right away? Mm, I was. I, I was just going with the flow. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it wasn't like I am now. I have a mm-hmm. focus. Uh, I'm concentrate, and and it was different for me back there. But um, like I say, after my third year, I. I was a totally different guy, you know. I wanted to, you know, do well every single game. I wanted to score. I wanted to defend and help my team do a great job on the games. And and it was different than when I came into the NBA mm-hmm. the first two years. When was it your second year that Steve Nash went to the Suns that you began playing with him? My third year. Third year. Third year. You hooked up with Nash. Uh, what was that like? I mean, it he- was another dream, you know. <laughs> you know, seeing him. Watching him so many times from TV, going to the playoffs and and doing stuff with Dirk when he was with the Dallas, it 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 was great. And next thing you see, he's in my side playing. And today he's one of my best friends. So mm-hmm. it's something that just happened in life, you know. And you gotta enjoy that as much as you can. I was told that he has come back to Brazil to visit you and play yeah, soccer? Yeah, we, we like to play soccer together. We Where do you play. play there now when you play? Not in the streets, obviously. No, we go <laughs> on the field, you know. Um, I know a couple good players. I know Ronaldinho, he's my neighbor in Brazil. I know Kaká. He knows other players, too, that is from Brazil. So we just get together and enjoy. Pick up soccer yes. games. Or on who? a nice grass field. Yeah. <laughs> With shoes. Yes. <laughs> who Who's the better soccer player, you or Steve Nash? Nash plays soccer like he played basketball. I would say he played soccer better than blas- basketball. He always told me that the reason that he played basketball the way he does is because soccer. Yeah. And the way he has the vision in it on the basketball is because soccer. The quick feet and, and, and it's because soccer. So that helped me too. You know, mm-hmm. after he said that to me, I, I started playing more soccer, and it really helped me, too. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you that, because I talked to him once out in Phoenix when the Pacers were out there uh, after a morning shoot-around, and he said that, yeah, soccer really translated to basketball for him. He kind of plays the game in circles. Right. And the way he sees the court. Exactly. You know, so is that the case for you? I mean, for did sure. your soccer background really influence your yes. style of play? Yeah, yeah. because – 
when you play soccer, you have to have a lot of vision and you got to be quick in your response, on your answer, because you have the you have the big field, you have like 10 more players on the field with you, and you have to control the ball and look the field to see who you're passing, what you think, what he's thinking. So uh, you got to answer really, really fast. So yeah. it's a good sport for you. You have great speed. You're one of the fastest guys in the league. Is that kind of a natural thing or is that something you've worked on? Uh, never work. Mm-hmm. Never work. I think it's natural for me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. Is I always, I mean, I grew up playing soccer, you know, um, and I maybe that could help, you know. Like when you ask him who is a better soccer, Nash is better soccer because he has a lot of skills with the ball. He can do a lot with the ball. I'm just score. If you throw the ball to me, I'm gonna run and I'm gonna catch and I'm gonna score. That's that's my my point on soccer. So maybe that helped me. Um, when I was a kid, I used to do that. Have you ever had your speed measured, like you know, a hundred meters or you know, no, nothing like that? Never. Do you consider yourself one of the fastest players in the NBA? I was not anymore. Have you lost some? I think so. Yeah, I I used to be a lot more than I am now. And I read somewhere that you used to do certain workouts lower body workouts for your speed and so forth is that still the case for you oh uh, no i used to do uh things that nash does you know like core a lot of core mm-hmm. um to help like on the abs and and balances those kind of situations it's not just to help the speed it's just more balancing you know those kind of things. you still do this kind of the same routine the as far as the weight training yes and that type of thing yes I also saw that you used to get to the arena on game days like at 3 o'clock, 4 yeah. hours. Do you still do that? Yes. Okay. 3 o'clock. Yes. Huh? For a 7 be, o'clock game, you'll yeah. be here at 3? I get to – my routine is, you know, I like to shoot a lot before the game, and after that I get treatment. And sometimes I watch um, some video of the team that we're going to play against, and then after that is my moment, you know, maybe listen some music, you know, so I can get focused and, and lift the weight and go to the game. I think you're beating Reggie Miller's record. Reggie was always the first one here, but I don't think he got here by 3 o'clock. So uh, yeah. I think he might be the record holder for early arrivals. The Pacers. Oh. Foster used to get here early, uh, yeah. but not at 3 o'clock. Barbosa's NBA dream turns to reality when one-on-one continues. But first, here he is making a defensive play for the Suns in a game against the Lakers with former Pacer Mark Jackson weighing in on the call. Lakers are attempting to do bad pass from Eric Piatkowski. Here's Shimon Williams gets inside, blocked by Barbosa, but they call the goaltend. That one was above the rim, but pretty impressive nonetheless. Great job by Barbosa, like a big guy. And Steve Nash enjoying it also, but Barbosa, point guard, setting it up and says, "Not on my watch. Get it out of here, Shimon Williams." <laughs> That's clearly a goaltend, but still fired up the crowd. Back on one-on-one, Mark Monteith here with Pacers guard Leandro Barbosa. He was living out a dream in Phoenix, playing on a winning team with Steve Nash, but then he was traded to Toronto. He made the best of it, 
but he certainly wasn't unhappy to be traded to the Pacers earlier this season. So in Phoenix, you signed a five-year, $34 million contract extension in 2004. Um, at that point, you must have really felt established and kind of like you had it made, and you could really support your family well at that right, point. Uh, right. Did your parents, were they able to stop working back in Brazil? Yes. Or? What was that like, you know, the way you grew up to sign that kind of a contract when you're getting that kind of money? A lot of people told me that I could get more. Uh-huh. But like you said, coming from where I was and, and for, for, from where I, I've been through, it was a lot for us, you know. It was just for me. I did it a lot for my family, you know, to sign that deal. When I signed it, I was very, very happy, and everybody was helped, and that gave me opportunity to help all my family, brothers, sisters. They all good now. Yeah. They all good, and I'm, I'm very happy about that. Um, we talk every day, um, and life is good. Could you have gotten more money to sign with another team? Did you have better offers than the one from Phoenix? Or um, it wasn't. I won't say better offers, but I had an opportunity to sign with a different team. But it was an extension. Mm-hmm. So when they gave him that to me, it was. I say I take it. Yeah. I take it. No problem. I'm happy with that. You didn't go looking for a better deal. No, yeah. I didn't. Okay. And I wanted to be on a good team too, especially playing with Nash. Sure. He made me. You know. He helped me do that contract. I appreciate for everything he did for me too. You played. You have played both point guard and what we call shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Do you feel most comfortable at either of those positions? No problem at all. Either I one to handle the ball, you know. And most of my career, I played uh, point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got to Phoenix, is when uh, with Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni wanted me to run the team, run. So I was the fast guys on the team. So he put him on a position two, a couple of games, and it worked really well. Me and Nash playing together. Since that, I, I always I, I start playing two. When you're playing with Nash out there, do you feel sometimes like you're playing soccer? Yes, <laughs> yes, because he gave him the look. I already knew he was talking something with me, and I would do it, and he would respond well for me. It yeah. was good. But four years after signing that contract, he got traded to yeah. Toronto. Was yeah. that a big disappointment? To it you? was. It was. It was very sad. It was a situation that I was being through with my wrist. I had a surgery, and um, it was tough time for me because I did the surgery, and it was the playoff becoming. They wanted me to recover really quick to be ready for the playoff, and um, my recovery wasn't that well because it's the wrist, you know, and. I didn't do so so well. So they traded me that year. It was disappointing for me, but, you know, it's part of the job. It's a business. NBA is a big business. So I went to Toronto with Brian Colangelo, who was the guy that drafted me and um, gave me opportunity, you know, to, you know, build up, you know, my my talent. Was that a difficult transition for you? It was. Going to Toronto? It was very, and, very tough. In a lot it, of ways. It was seven years for me in Phoenix, you know, and, and – Phoenix is very hot, so going to Toronto is very, very cold. I never, improved, I never been through the, those kind of situation before, so it was hard at the beginning. But then, it was okay after. It's also colder, and also the Raptors were not a playoff team. You know, they yeah. struggled. It was, yeah. was that a difficult transition? Just going to a team that it is was trying it to was. rebuild. But at the same time, it was a good experience for me. I always were was the younger on the team. And this time I was the older on the team, so uh, I, I was I was talking more in those in, in in Toronto to help the young guys, 
and and that was that was a good thing for me you know and i learned a lot it was good for me myself my family too and it was a good experience did your parents have a chance to come up and watch you play in nba games my mama your mom my did. dad no okay my dad was sick at the time so okay. my mama always had opportunity what how did your dad die what was he had a cancer had cancer and my okay. mama too mom too okay so when you get traded from Toronto to the Pacers earlier this season, did that catch you by surprise? Or did you think something was probably going to happen? It was going to happen because uh, Brian Colangelo he he talked to me before that happened, you know, when uh, I I don't know who was talking from the the Pacers to BC, he came up and said, "Listen, this is the thing that going on and maybe going down. I'm just letting you know and just so you know." It was a week before. Mm-hmm. And I say okay, all right. And uh, when it happened, you know, a lot of people was in shock on the team and on the organization and, and the fans and everything. But it was it was good situation for me, you know. Um, it's a contender team on the playoffs, and I'm winning, you know. So I think it, nobody that comes to the NBA wants to lose, you know. Unfortunately, I was, but I was working really hard over there, you know, to become a situation for me better than I was. And it came, and I'm very happy here. Yeah, you're a free agent this summer, right? Yeah. Any idea what's going to happen with that? I don't know what's going to happen. I I don't know. We'll see. Do you hope that you're re-signed by the Pacers, or are you kind of, you want to look around and keep your options open? I hope the, the Pacers give me opportunity, you know, to sign. I really love you know the way the organization are here, the team, the my teammates. You know the coaches is I'm, I don't have words to say. They are the best coaches that I ever been to. So I'm it's it's been very exciting time for me right now. How often do you get back to Brazil? Every yeah. summer. Every summer you spend the summer there. The whole summer. Yeah. Uh, can you play much basketball there? National yeah. team. You play that's every that's time right. I come back I have to play for uh, the, national, go to the team. national team, yeah. Okay. I would think that you're a pretty major figure in Brazil now. I mean that you're awfully well known and, yes. and a lot of people are looking up to Leandro Barbosa back there. Yes, my name my nickname there is Leandrinho, so um yes, I'm well known there. Um people know who I am when I walk on the street, sometimes autographs. Yeah, people know. And Leandrino means little Leandro? Yeah. What do you think you want to do when your basketball career is over? Uh, I think when I'm done playing on the NBA, I'm going back to Brazil and, and try to play a little bit more on the professional league that we have there, which has been doing great. And after that, try to do what most of the players does, you know, being a coach. And uh, maybe run some clinics, you know, for the kids work on the community i like to work on the community a lot you know and that's that, that kind of stuff so you think you'll live in brazil yes. and stay involved in basketball yeah. mm-hmm. and try to coach kids and so forth right okay do you own i guess the house that you bought for your mother is that you kind of live there in the off season no now, that that is um for my uh, it's my brother's house now i have my house in rio i have another place in sao paulo too and now uh, we have a house on the beach too Barbosa talks Pacer playoff hopes when one-on-one continues. But first, here's Barbosa showing off that classic speed with the Pacers as Mark Boyle and Slick Leonard make the call. 
George driving right baseline, runs into two defenders, goes to the top, Hill gets it to Barbosa with an authoritative drive down the middle, and he laid it in as he was fouled. Boy, Leandro, he's come alive for us. We're back on one-on-one. Mark Monteith here with Pacers guard Leandro Barbosa. He started getting paid to play basketball at the age of 10. He had a long journey to get back and forth to school every day, but that was only the start of a journey that brought him to Indianapolis, where he's now hoping for a long playoff run. Do you feel like if you had stuck with soccer, you could have been a professional soccer player? I think. Mm-hmm. I think for my height, for my speed, and um, for the way I play, I think it would be good for me to, you know, have a opportunity to play soccer. Because uh, you're probably taller. Are you yes, tall? I'm taller. Yeah, for the most All people. All the soccer Brazil. players are small. How tall was your dad? My dad, it wasn't that tall. Not yeah. even my mama. So where did your height come from? I think God, he just touched me and I, he gave me a couple inches. <laughs> <laughs> had your dad been an athlete? Had your dad played he soccer? He was a box. He was a boxer. He was a boxer when he was a kid. Uh, not a kid, but like middle age, he was a boxer. So he had to stop because he got too many times punch on the head. He got and, hit too many times. And yeah, so he had to stop. Did you box at all? I don't. I I know how how to capoeira. Uh, capoeira is like a a dance fight that we have on uh, in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know how to f- do box, but I know a couple of tricks that my dad used to teach me when I had a trouble in, in, on the street. But I never had to use it there, you know. And uh, But it's good for basketball too, box. Sure, for your reflexes and yes. so forth, quickness. And, and yeah. feet, foot, footwork too. Did you have to protect yourself on the streets at times? I no, mean, no. I never, never had a problem with that. Okay. I was a good kid in the street. At what age was it? You said you your family grew up at times living in a one room yeah. uh, house, seven people. At what point did you get a bigger home? Where when I was ten years old, ten years old, we 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 built um, I would say a little house, which had a three rooms, and and it was better for us. And and with ten years old, I was already getting a scholarship, getting paid too. In Brazil, is different than America. So um, all my paycheck I would give for my mom, and since that we never had a, a big uh, like hard time to eat, to have a, mm-hmm. like to doesn't have a food at home, so it was good. You were getting paid to do what at ten years old? Play basketball. You're getting paid to play basketball yeah. at ten years old. And I, um, I played probably in eight, nine teams. So every year, whoever gave the most money, I would go. Wow, it's not what I wanna, but. I had to do for my family. You're a free agent every year. Yes. Huh? <laughs> and like, what would what would a ten year old kid get paid in Brazil for basketball? Well, um, ten years I was getting scholarship, which was a good a good school. You will pay like two hundred fifty a month. In Brazil, is five hundred reais, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Uh-huh. Um, so about two hundred and fifty American dollars a month. Yes, that yeah. for a scholarship, and then I would have pay for the ticket for bus and train. So that would be like another two hundred fifty, and cash that yeah. would be like five hundred. That's quite a bit, isn't yes, it? Yes, it was wow. a lot. Was that more than your like dad was making? Earning, no, or? no, no. Okay, it wasn't. But still helped but it was out close. a lot. Yeah, close. <laughs> they must have really loved basketball. Then, if you were bringing home money like that yeah. for for that, did you have to? Did you have a long trip to school? You say you took yes. bus and train. And how like how far two away? Two buses and two trains. Two buses to and two trains. And two to two and two to come back. Yeah, and you do that every day. Yeah, I would have to wake up four o'clock in the morning, and and to get there at seven, and after school I would go to practice and get back only at night. 12 o'clock or sometimes. Like at midnight? Yeah. And did you get up and go to, do it all over I again? I had to. You got up at 4 in the morning? Yeah. So you got four hours of sleep yes. each night? It was tough. Sometimes I would sleep and the teacher wouldn't let me sleep because they know my life and they would help me with the school too. So it was, it was, I, I, I they did a lot for me. Yeah. The school did a lot for me. Yeah. I, could you sleep on the bus and the train? Yes. That helps. It was the best sleep I ever had. <laughs> when I was a kid, always going and coming back, it was the best. And how many years did you do that? We had uh, that kind of... Since I was 17. So for 17. seven years. Yes. Seven 17, years. With the 17 years old, I moved away from my family. I had to go and I took my brother with me. I never was by myself. My mama never would let me leaving by myself mm-hmm. so i went to a club which is four hours drive from sao paulo and and uh, i stayed there for two years and a half and then there was there was the place that i most got money and uh, it was good i got championship over there i got most valuable player and it was the the year that I went to the national team, and everything opened up for me. The doors and everything to become an NBA player. That's where the NBA scout saw you was on that national yes. team here in Indianapolis yeah. in particular. Did yeah. you? You must have felt like you played well here for that national. I team? I didn't have many minutes, that, but I think the minutes, the short minutes that I had, it, it was enough, I guess, for them to see what I could be, what I could do. Um, the same time, Nene was already in the NBA, so he's Asian. Uh, was interested on me, and okay. and that's when we start talking. Okay, uh, I'm sure you're aware of Oscar Schmidt. Yes, yeah, he played, played many in the, times against him. Have you? Yes, yeah, he played in the Pan Am Pan American games here yeah. in 1980, whatever. And I covered those games. You won. Yes, yes they won the gold though. medal. Yeah. And that team was so entertaining and likable that I think a lot of the American fans were rooting for that team. Yes. They beat the U.S. in the gold medal game, but I think that a lot of people were drawn to them, and Oscar is like one of the best shooters I've ever seen. He's still. Yeah, like he's still, Larry. Larry still can shoot, right? He's, I would think still, so, yeah. He's still the same way. Yeah. I remember Oscar, he couldn't guard anybody. He really wasn't yeah, quick enough to guard. Yeah, he's not a good defender, yeah. But he would stand off of the defender and point at the three-point line and yell, shoot it, shoot it. Yeah. You know, and that's how he intimidated these yeah. younger kids and they'd miss shots. So. He used to talk a lot on the games. Yeah, that's true. Does he live back in Brazil now? Yes, he's back in Brazil. He's doing, like, TV for sports, you know, and uh, okay. on the Olympics he will go to and do interviews. He's one of the more colorful, memorable players oh, I've yeah. ever seen He's play. a Hall of Fame. As the Pacers, by the time this airs, you'll have played one playoff game already uh, against Orlando. 
obviously the team has finished strong. People have great hopes for the playoffs. Can a team that doesn't have a so-called superstar, you know, a LeBron James type of mm-hmm. player, you know, win a championship? You know, can you do it collectively and overcome that? Or, or does the team need to have, like, you know, just a superstar type of player to win it all? No, I think we can. We can do it the way we are. We have all-star on our team, which is Roy. Uh, I consider Danny Grange an all-star player too, which he was. Mm-hmm. And and uh, but we have so many weapons on this team that I mean maybe can uh, scare teams. You know, um, the way we've been playing is is the way that we're supposed to play on the playoff. Um, we just gotta believe in ourselves. You know, move the ball the way we be move and. Uh, work hard you know playoff is a totally different level to play is uh is not even compared to a regular season but it's the best feeling that you can feel yeah. it's the best feeling so i'm sure that everybody's exciting you know and uh, i make i'm very excited about the playoffs i haven't been in the playoffs for a year and a half so uh, for me it's been a special time here does this team at all remind you of Phoenix? Yes. The Phoenix teams you played on? Yes, because it's, it's it's the same way we used to be. The chemistry, you know, the the communication. Uh, there's no selfish on the team. Uh, we all get along each other, and like today we're going to have a dinner together. The whole team. I think it, this is the main thing for you to go somewhere. You know, um, um, it's going to be a lot fun this playoff. You know, and I'm sure that we can do well it's not going to be easy it's not going to be easy it's going to be really hard we're going to have to work every single game and and but we can do it mm-hmm. we just got to believe when you're in phoenix the suns a couple of times came so close you know to getting to the finals yeah. and we, people thought they could win a championship one yeah. year i think amari stoudemire was injured and didn't that was play. the year yeah that was the year you that feel like you year. had it that was the year yeah unfortunately we lost those two big players and uh we couldn't win without them. And uh, who was the Phoenix, other one? I'm trying to remember, Boris Diaw. Boris Diaw, okay. Yeah, yeah. and um, we thought that we could, but we didn't win without them at home, and that was a big, big thing for us. You know, I think it, um, whoever win that series was going to be the championship. In that case, it was San Antonio. San Antonio won the championship. The championship. Yeah, but it happened. You know, I think. It, I mean. Not many players got opportunity to be in that situation. Um, we were there, and uh, we decided to work well. And then the next season, we did it again, but we lost again. You know, you just got to keep trying and keep focused and strong. Who do you consider the leader of this team, the Pacers? Uh, I consider Danny. Danny is, is the, the main guy on this team, you mm-hmm. know. Um, Roy, Roy, he's right there too, D West. The West is a veteran on this team, and uh, I think pretty much everybody, you know, listen what Danny and Roy and the West talk. You know, me sometimes, you know, I just got into the team, so um, I respect the, the my role, you know. So um, everybody's try to listen to each other. There's no hard hard feelings, you know, when somebody speak to each other. So I think that's really really good mm-hmm. it seems like a team that doesn't maybe need a lot of leadership because exactly everybody know what we're supposed to do so mm-hmm. um when that kind of thing is like that it's it's great great thing who speaks up the most in the locker room among the players you're talking about the serious time 
Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, not clowning around, but when there's really Danny, 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 Danny speak okay. a lot. We always speak, to be honest. George Hill, he does that a lot too. He's been in many situations too. D West, but most everybody, mm-hmm. everybody talking to each other. I've got a theme question that I've asked everybody for this show. When you're sleeping at night, do you have dreams about playing basketball? Do you play basketball in your dreams when you're sleeping at night? Not anymore. Maybe when I was a little kid, I would have dreamed, you know, maybe on a parking, killing somebody, you know, killing like playing basketball, you know, like doing a lot oh, of playing cross really well, yes. yeah. <laughs> yes, those kind of things, uh, making a lot of shots. I had one good dream when I was sleeping when I was a kid, too, that I had like 52 points, and it was great night for me. You know, the next day, I was like the guy on the school. Everybody gave me love. All the girls were all over me. <laughs> it was it was a great dream. It was a great, <laughs> great dream. So usually in your dreams, though, you played well. Yes, right? yeah. yes. Because, yeah. you know, I've talked to some, uh, Larry Bird, for example, uh, when he would dream of playing basketball, would play poorly. I get every kind of answer. Some people play really well, like yourself, and some people forget their shoes or right. you know can't do this or that. So right. I don't know what any of it means. Probably nothing, but you just get all kinds of reactions from it. How many more years do you think you can play in the NBA? You're what? You're 29 now. I'm 29. I think I can go five more years. Yeah. I don't think it will be hard for me. I always take care of myself. I always keep myself in shape. So um, I, I'm okay to do five, six more years. But you say you've lost some of your speed. I do. I did. Yeah. I did. So I have to start working a different part of my game to cover that situation. You're a good shooter. Uh, did anybody in particular teach you to shoot or no. you just figured it out for yourself? I just figured it out myself. I yeah. know it's a ugly form. Everybody say that. But as long as they go in, it's it would say matter so but nobody teaching me i used to I, I i wish i could have a nice form you know but i just learned myself one-on-one with leandro barbosa continues in a moment but first here he is draining a three against the bucks a few weeks ago with mark and slick on the call a loose ball following the three throws at the other end. Hill has it. Sends it left side. Barbosa. Yeah! <laughs> a three right in front of the Milwaukee bench and he's fouled by Udre. Oh, that was something. That was really something. Well, thanks to Leandro Barbosa for punching the one-on-one clock this week. You know, he's got quite a story, doesn't he? Carrying grocery bags for tips to help support a family of seven living in a one-room house. That's not your typical childhood, but as you could hear, it only fueled his desire to make it to the NBA. You know, it's funny, when you look back on the 2003 NBA draft, when Barbosa was chosen with the 28th pick, the Pacers didn't even have a first-round pick that year. They took James Jones in the second round. But now look at them. They've got three players from that draft on this team. David West, who went 18th, Dante Jones, who went 20th, and Al Barbosa. For that matter, they once had T.J. Ford, who went 8th in that draft. 
in the immortal words of Chuck Berry. It goes to show you never can tell. And by the way, the theme song for today's show is Touch by Seal. Leandro requested that one personally. I'll tell you what, these Pacers today are sensitive guys, aren't they? A few weeks ago, David West went with Nora Jones' version of Don't Know Why. Sounds to me like these guys are not insecure about their masculinity. Now, remember, as always, you can hear this or any of the other one-on-one episodes on our website at 1070thefan.com. Click on Shows. Click on Weekly Shows. Click on One-on-One, and you'll have access to all the conversations with Indiana sports personalities. If you need to reach out to me, my email address is mark at 1070thefan.com, and I will be back next week with yet another spine tingler right here on 1070 The Fan.